Hello and welcome to episode 160 of section 138. The season is over, but we're still alive and kicking. And we're back with our first episode of technically the offseason for the Blue Jays. Not quite the offseason, obviously, because the postseason is still happening. But Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Doing okay, Mark. It's been uh, almost a week now since, unfortunately, the Blue Jays season has ended. So I think both, all of us are kind of still getting over it, getting a little better. But yeah, overall, it's been a week. And I'm um, happy to, for, to be here to kind of review our um, offseason predictions at, heading into 2021 that we did earlier in the year. It's been a week, that's for sure. I can say the first few days after the Blue Jays were eliminated, I think for all of us, a little bit rough, and you can talk about how it's just a baseball team all we want, but of course it does mean a lot to us. Jacob, how are you? I'll be honest, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do with the remaining of this offseason, because I don't really, you watch baseball every day and you don't really think about things too much, you know, like what you're going to do with your time, but then you realize, oh, uh, my evenings and afternoons are now pretty much wide open it's like oh geez I need to find a hobby or something but you know what there's still a lot to do I mean I do have other obligations that I probably shouldn't ignore but either way it's been it's it's gonna be a long off season I'll tell you that but uh it's uh, I'm glad to at least be doing this every week yeah at least we still got baseball on the tv so you always got that to watch um Rays Red Sox last night kind of a wild game for the Rays Steal home for Randy Rosarina. A lot of fun for the Rays. And uh, I feel bad rooting for the Rays after what happened this season, but you got to root for the Rays over the Red Sox because I do not want the Red Sox advancing as much chaos as it would be if they did beat the Rays, the top team in the AL. Anyways, that's not the point of this episode. This episode is looking back at our 2021 predictions because at the start of this season on February 7th, before spring training, before pitchers and catchers reported to spring training, we recorded an episode predicting everything about the 2021 Blue Jays. We predicted the Blue Jays record. We predicted the roster. We predicted individual stats. We predicted everything about the team. And now that the season is over and we know everything that happened this year, we want to take a look back at what happened and where our predictions landed. So basically, this is look how stupid we are as an episode because a lot of these predictions obviously as you can can imagine six seven months ago turned out to be wrong but here we are we're going to look at them we're going to look at it as a season retrospective what surprised us what didn't surprise us and what we're going to start off with obviously is what we started off in that episode with our prediction of the Blue Jays win loss record so we can just go around I said the Blue Jays would be 93 uh, 69 Bryson said 92 and 70, and Jacob actually had the perfect exact right number with 91-71. So we were right all in kind of the same ballpark on where we expected the Blue Jays to end this season, but Jacob ends up getting bragging rights on this one for setting the correct record. Yeah, starting the episode off on a high note, I mean, I th I went back and uh, listened to it, and I, I'm pretty sure that's like my only accurate or semi-accurate prediction, and there are a few that I probably don't want to bring up because those were terrible, but... Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm somewhat shocked to be honest. Like 91 wins, I think was the expectation slash over estimation of what they were capable of doing, and it happened. It ended up happening. It it took a very good last couple months of the season. It took coming back to Toronto and making a ton of moves at the uh, at the deadline. But this team ended up being extremely good. And considering last year, if you extrapolate their win-loss record, they would have equi uh, equated to 86 wins. And so, now, would that have been accurate? I don't know. The, all I know is that's what it was. They were over a 500 team that season, and this season they were even better. And so now when you look to next season, I think we can make even more predictions. 95, 96 wins, is that a possibility? I mean, we still need the offseason to transpire, but you know what? I'm happy to at least to have seen this team do as well as it did and you know what at least at least I got one prediction right I think as as you'll you'll see towards the end of the episode there are a few that might have been fun but were ended up being head, uh, head scratchers yeah we all um, <laughs> obviously have those but um, you know what just to start things off I'm kind of happy uh, for most of our predictions to be wrong because I feel like a lot of our predictions when you go back a lot of them were kind of undervalued, and I'm happy that it turned out to go the other way because obviously that means the Jays did better than what we thought. And uh, to cap things off, yeah. Um, to be honest, though, th this 
prediction from even from all of us since we're all in the same ballpark and even from Jacob for getting it correctly, it doesn't surprise me as much because we all envisioned this team to be a 90-win team at worst, and that obviously proves that with our uh, prediction. So as much as we had a lot of question marks with this team heading into the year on the, the, the roster or anything like that, we all had the same idea and we all had expectations for this team to win at least 90 games um, and that's the worst case scenario so good on you for that Jacob and um, I'm actually happy that uh, I was one win off as well Mark you were two so I completely forgot about that one and um, that definitely makes us look a little bit better however Jacob I do wish your World Series prediction ended up coming through however that does still sound like a good 2022 World Series prediction so if I were you I would stick by that and um I mean, I'm just saying that that would be pretty cool. But yeah, um, you know, 90 wins. What can, what else can you take from that? And when you think about 90 wins, we all, I think we all kind of had a, I don't know if, Mark, you took down what we thought about playoffs. Maybe you did, but we all thought they'd be close to that at least. And you figure 90 wins would get you that close as well. And when you look at the standings and how everything played out this year, um, obviously you miss out by a game and that still hurts. And, you know, the the other problem that hurts with me too, I don't know about you guys and kind of every Blue Jays fan out there, it feels like it's almost natural instinct is, you know, it was watching this wild card game that happened uh, between the Red Sox and Yankees and just thinking about it saying, you know, Robbie Ray would have done better than Garrett Cole. Like just comparing kind of how things would have went for the Jays compared to how, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees were playing if the Jays would have had a better you know, outcome or better chances doing certain things. That's that's how I was thinking. But 91 or 92 wins is what I predicted. And then that obviously was the Red Sox and Yankees final record. I will take that. And um, I think I, we can all kind of, I think it's safe to say for next year, we're going to have a higher prediction for this record. It may not be by much. It may not be, but it is going to be at least that range again and probably going to be a little bit higher. So I'm excited for that. And uh, that's why I can't wait for this offseason to get started. Well, also, I think one thing I just want to get out quickly is I think a week or two after we made those predictions, all the injuries started to to transpire. And so, yeah, and the thing is, is this team could have easily been better had Springer not have missed 85 or whatever games it was or Kirby Yates or all these guys not got injured. And that's not an excuse. I, I like obviously the team still is expected to perform, but it is when you think about it, those 91 wins came at or it was a combination of really being depleted for players and then when you finally get all your players you're one of the best teams in baseball so if next season goes even semi right for injuries we might uh we might have a triple digit win column wow okay jacob's already getting in predictions for next season uh but yeah like a lot of things went wrong as much as things went right for the blue jays this season a lot of things went wrong and i remember towards the end of spring training, like right before the season started, after we knew all this stuff about George Springer, about, you know, Robbie Ray having his injury of falling down a flight of stairs. You have um, all these injuries to Kirby Yates, Julian Merriweather, other guys in the bullpen. Um, When we knew that, um, I think I kind of readjusted my win total to about 89. So like, even that was a little bit you know, not enough uh, optimism on the Blue Jays there because obviously they ended up winning 91. But at the start of the season, things weren't going the way we hoped they were. And, you know, we can look back at the struggles of like April and May, like the offense was struggling in April and then the bullpen kind of collapsed and we have all that. And still the Blue Jays end up as a 91 win team with a strong finish to this season. So regardless how you look at this season, I think it is a success. And I actually pulled a quote from Jacob, which I think is really interesting because we were talking about whether the Blue Jays would make the postseason. Um, all of us said they would. All of us said they would make it as a wild card team. That Bryson, you actually thought the. I think all of us thought the Yankees would win the AL East. We thought the Blue Jays would actually be better than the Rays this season. Uh, Bryson, you thought the AL East would be the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, Boston, and then Baltimore. Um, but Jacob, you said, and I quote: "If they don't make the postseason, something is crazy with this league." And here we are, where the Blue Jays end up as a 91-win team, which you predicted, and they don't make the postseason. And then you continue to say, I don't know how you can be that good and not make the playoffs. So there you go. Um, Just how, you know, now we kind of look back at this team and say, ah, they missed the playoffs. Ah, these one-run losses. Ah, if only Marcus Simeon had made that game-ending throw. But Jacob, (laughs) you said at the start of the season, if they have 91 wins – they should make the postseason. Something's wrong with the postseason. 
postseason if they don't make it in. Yeah, you know what? I wrote that down too. And I was listening to this episode in a public space. And I remember just howling when I heard that because it, I still stand by that. And it's true. Look, I, I know a lot of people think that last season had a bit of a, uh, uh, what's the, the term? The participants medal or something where all you, you just barely were over 500. You, uh, you get into the playoffs. But when you think about it, this team was like 20 games or whatever it was over 500. Usually, you know, back when I first started watching baseball as a kid, you always heard, oh, you, there was a commercial saying like, uh, win 90 and you're in or something like that. And obviously times can change. But when you think about it, a team this good should make the playoffs. And that's why I am still strongly advocating for an expanded playoffs almost in any capacity at this point. Like, I know a lot of people disagree with the 16 teams, which... I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised people don't agree with that, but that's totally fair. I think it has to be expanded to some extent because also, like, the Blue Jays, yes, technically they were one game worse than the Red Sox and Yankees, but if the teams are this close and you look at even in the National League, two of the best teams in the league wanted to play a wild card, and now the two teams, the Giants and the Dodgers, are playing each other, that should not really be happening. And I know seeding is differently and whatnot, but... The league needs to expand its playoffs, not even for like the fans of the semi-good teams, but just for the sport in general. Because you look at the NHL, you look at, at the NBA, and I know they have shorter seasons, but people enjoy those games because their teams still have a shot midway or early in the season. Whereas you look at the Blue Jays, if they didn't go 9-1 and one on that first homestand in Toronto, or they didn't win eight games, eight straight games at the start of September... They probably would have been out by mid-September or even going before that, before that homestand. They were still out of it. Like, they had two six-game losing streaks, I think, in between those two. Or one was, like, way before the, the win streak and then one came soon after. But they were they would have been out of it had they have not been one of the best teams in the league uh, throughout that stretch. And I just think that something is wrong when a team is this good and doesn't make the playoffs and even that like you look at the Yankees and the Red Sox both 92 win seasons the Yankees lost after one game and yes Red Sox beat them absolute credit to the Red Sox but it just it seems very flawed when a th only a third of your league makes the playoffs and of that third of those 10 teams four of them are only guaranteed one game and it's just I think it needs to be expanded it needs to be changed even if it's just you have four wildcard teams and they play like a, a, a one versus four and a two versus three series. And then those two winners make the wild card or whatever. At least if that's the case, I'll be happy. But as of right now, nothing really we can do. And I will probably stop ranting because honestly, I could take up this whole episode as to why the playoffs need to be expanded. But good on the Blue Jays. They were a good team next season. They just they got to come out the gates, I think, uh, swinging and, and hopefully they'll have a better, uh, better finish. And to cap it off about how something was crazy with the league <laughs> is that the better team was the one that missed out by a game. I mean, we all know that the Jays are a better team on paper than both of them, and I still stand by that to this day, and I think you guys do too. So that's that's what hurts, and I think everyone knows that that's the killer of this week is that you know the, this team had so much potential, and it just felt like there was so much thing unfinished business that they had and so much things that they had left to accomplish. And honestly, like... Seeing a playoff run out of them, it definitely, you can't rule that out. If they win a wild card game, maybe win the ALDS, maybe. But either way, give the Tampa Bay Rays a run for their money and give them a hard time. You never know. I mean, you really do. So I agree with you, Jacob, that the playoffs uh, should be expanded. I do think you might get your wish as of next year because obviously uh, there's going to be a long CBA negotiation this winter. So can't wait to center our, our episodes around that as it's going to drag on probably in, until January because we all know how the uh, baseball offseason has been working the past couple of years. But honestly, I don't know if I want it expanded to 16 just because, you know, I you were mentioning how the schedule is longer and everything. And that's why I think it's more valuable to kind of make the playoffs harder to get into of the grind of 162. So I do think it should be expanded to 12 or 14. I'm not going to say 16, but you know, you look at the wild card race this year too, and when you want to include 
obviously the Jays and Yankees, uh, no, sorry, the Red Sox, Yankees, and the Jays and the, the Mariners who fell short, you know, a four-team wildcard race would have been cool. I mean, if you really think about that, being eligible or kind of having those teams being eligible for like a series or something like that, I thought that was pretty cool. You can also go by how they did it last year where you just went like one, eight, two, seven, based off of the AL, the NL, and kind of abolished the division. So you can do that as well. But either way, I think that's something that you're going to get your wish for next year. So, and obviously if the playoffs are expanded, we're having a much different conversation today. And you can pretty much almost guarantee that they're going to get in next year if the playoffs are expanded. So you might get your wish this winter. And yeah, it's just crazy to look back on now one game. And you said it. it I mean, one less Tyler Chatwood game, one less Tanner Roark game. I don't I don't bring up the Marcus Simeon bobble against Detroit because look at all the games that he almost won for the team. And look at that Oakland comeback um, back in August. That's one, one thing I highlight. So People who bring up the Marcus Simeon game, I really don't understand how you do that. But either way, just the bullpen blowing it one last time. That's all you have to think about. There's a game 163 that happens, and who knows what the heck would have happened from there. So something did, and you were pretty much flat on, and it's just bang on. Something's crazy with the league right now. And, um, you know, it's just unfortunate of how they missed out. But uh, I think everyone kind of understands the message at this point. So Jacob's killing it so far <laughs> in terms of predictions. He's looked He's so smart at the really start of this episode. Um, but yeah, I don't bring up the Marcus Simeon game to kind of, you know, criticize Simeon. Like, mistakes happen. He was a rock-solid defender for almost the entire season. He won so many games offensively for the Blue Jays. And we're going to talk about later in this episode how important he was to this team. Um, I just bring it up because it's an example of how close the Blue Jays came to playing in that 163, playing in that tiebreaker, potentially making it into the wildcard and into the postseason. So, um, yeah, nothing against Marcus Simeon. Amazing. Want him to resign, and we're going to have that conversation later um, in this offseason for the Blue Jays. But for right now, I just wish he resigned. And uh, another thing to say, I kind of set my expectations for the Blue Jays, thinking that they would get either Paxton – Odorizzi or Taiwan Walker at that time because at that time it was February 4th all three of those guys uh, excuse me February 7th all three of those guys hadn't signed yet they were still in the free agency market and we thought that the Blue Jays were going to make another another move before pitchers and catchers reported so that was where I was placing my expectations with 93 wins and once the injuries happened once they didn't sign those guys bumped it down to the 89 I believe but yeah Crazy that the Blue Jays didn't make the postseason. Um, just to recap, Jacob, you said the Blue Jays would lose the World Series in seven games to the Padres. Bryson, you'd say they would lose the Division Series in five games to the White Sox. I said they would lose in five in the Championship Series to the Yankees. So I think Bryson, honestly, even though the Blue Jays didn't make the postseason, you're looking the best in terms of your prediction of the White Sox because the Yankees out after one game of the postseason. Padres don't even make the postseason, finish – did they even finish above 500? Below um, 500. Yeah, that was what a late season collapse by the Padres. Honestly, if I can just take this one, <laughs> I just wanted to take one and I'll, you know, I'm I'm satisfied now my expectations are met. But, you know, I go back to Jacob's prediction. That is still a good prediction for next year, so you should stick with it, Jacob. But either way, I mean, Obviously, I thought the Jays were going to play the White Sox. And the other thing, too, is at least we all thought they were going to get out of the wild card game and they were going to last, you know, a round if you want to count the wild card game as a round. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And, you know, we weren't, we didn't all predict that they were one and done. So I still think for all three of us, it is a success based on our uh, prediction. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy to go down uh, with that for sure. Yeah, I mean, considering that I can, uh, I predicted a World Series matchup with two teams that didn't even qualify. <laughs> I uh, I don't have a ton to say, but uh, <laughs> you know what? At least, like the thing is, is the Blue Jays didn't end up making the playoffs, and that's obviously unfortunate. But at least it's not because they were a bad team or because they collapsed. Because in order to like it, say they had made the playoffs, it would have been probably even better than the 2015 team all the the things that went right at once basically to get them in so I'm a little okay with it and considering they won their last game like we knew they had to sweep Baltimore they did they they won 12 to 4 easily like if if Aaron Judge didn't hit that line drive or if Rafael Devers didn't hit that home run or or Alex Verdugo didn't hit that double or whatever Blue Jays would have probably been in a tiebreaker (laughs) That's all I really have to say. You hope next season things are different. And even if the playoffs are the same, which probably throw my computer if that's the case. But even if they are, 
I still think the team will make the playoffs either a wild card or maybe even the division. I know one thing that I noted a lot in this episode is we all basically predicted the Rays were going to fall off and reasonable to sort of predict that when you lose Blake Snell. It definitely is something that I think we considered. But a lot of us really praised the Yankees, and I mean, good on them. They did they did finish with 92 wins, eight games back of of the Rays. But I don't think any of us really expected this to happen. And even throughout the season, it was all oh, Red Sox had an easy season. They're gonna fall off, and it's it's basically Blue Jays either take second place or they take first place. But I think this proves that the AL East is probably the best division in baseball, with the exception of maybe the NL West with the Dodgers and the Giants having that great run that they had, but it's going to be tough. I think next season it's going to... It's likely to... Almost certain that they make it, but, you know, when you look at this season, it, it I can't even really call it a, a disappointment, just considering all the things that had to go right, and that did go right, and, you know, you, you talk about, oh, if that one thing didn't happen, well, all we needed was not a one to nothing loss from the, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Blue Jays would have had their shot to punch ticket to the playoffs but you know what it's I guess it's a learning experience and you look at Guerrero watching the game in the dugout like all these guys want it and it's it's proof that if this is how good a team can be after just barely missing out on the playoffs like look out next season when you're in Toronto for your first full year and Guerrero Bichette Biggio to a lesser extent has played finally his first full season it's next season's gonna be a lot more fun I think and it a, a lot of things that went wrong likely won't go wrong next season but uh you know you just at least at least it was a fun season I like I know that's not really much of a a good thing to say considering the end goal wasn't met but at least it was a a good uh, a good way to go out I guess yep uh all right let's turn now to what we predicted the roster would be so we looked at the infield the outfield the rotation and the bullpen some of these predictions look a little worse for wear in retrospect but we'll start with the infield which pretty much we all agreed on and pretty much all said the same thing basically what we all said is that it's going to be telez at dh jansen and kirk splitting time at catcher first base is going to be guerrero second base marcus simeon third uh third base kevin biggio um, at shortstop, Bo Bichette, and then on the bench, Santiago Espinal. Pretty much all of these predictions were accurate. The only ones that um, maybe need a little bit tweaking in hindsight, um, DH, George Springer actually got more at-bats at DH than Rowdy Telez did. Of course, we know what happened with Telez, who was traded partway through the season for Trevor Richards, and we all didn't predict what would happen with George Springer's health, as we've talked about before. But that was one of the things we got wrong. Another thing we got wrong is the catcher position. Um, Reese McGuire actually got the most playing time of any Blue Jay catcher this season, followed by Jansen and then by Kirk. We know the injuries that happened there. But that's another thing that surprised us. We didn't even have McGuire on our radar. Of course, after 2020, where he hit like what, a, you know, a buck 20 and got DFA'd partway through the season, and no one picked him up. Surprisingly, and you know, a surprise season for McGuire and a little bit of excitement. And um, thankfully, you know, we're all happy with the season he put up, and it just furthers the Blue Jays' catching depth. Another guy that wasn't on our radar there was Riley Adams, although he didn't get a lot of starts and a lot of playing time for the Blue Jays before he was traded to the Nationals. So that's the biggest thing we got wrong. Biggio as well, because of his injury, um, he didn't play that much third base. It was primarily Santiago Espinal there, as well as some other guys that rotated through there. Joe Panic at one point, uh, Bravik Valera at another point in the season. So um, those are kind of the three things that we got wrong. I think we can pass on the DH one. We can give ourselves uh, a pass on that one because of the Springer injury, and we didn't expect that to happen. The Maguire and, and third base, catcher and third base one, I think are a little bit more suspect for us, and we can kind of analyze those a bit. But those are the big two ones that we missed on the infield. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I remember, I I put Espinal on the bench. However, mm-hmm. in 2022, I think he has to be your starter if unless he, he proves that he doesn't, uh, or that he doesn't earn it really in spring training. Because he, like I know people, the, the main thing that I've heard from people is that, oh, it's, yeah, he, he hit... 311 actually like his average was quite good in 92 games people are saying well that that's not replicable over a full 162 or 140 or 130 whatever he could play in a full year and I understand that but if you're hitting 311 in 92 games I think that you've earned your chance to really to to lock up that third base position and 
the reason I th- I think the the thing was is with with Joe Panic he had came back on a minor league one year deal with pretty much the expectation that he would make the team and that's why Espinal kind of got the boot and even the first half of the season it was pretty much every every couple days or every couple weeks he was up and down from the minors but this season he you know what I'm very happy to be wrong on that prediction and he he has proved that he's not a bench player right now even if he's your number nine hitter he's he's probably one of the better number nine hitters in the league and then you know with Reese McGuire I think it's a lot of people wrote him off somewhat justifiably when you're hitting I think it was even under 100 it wasn't even like it, it was it was really bad last season in only a couple games but he came back and he was good for a while he ended up with a 265 average and only one home run but hey you know what he basically he gave the Blue Jays what they didn't have at that time and that was Danny Jansen had just been injured Alejandro Kirk had just been injured like they needed a catcher and he was he was hitting over 300 actually for quite a while and even just to finish 265 that's not even terrible and he's he's now made it interesting because when you go into to the the beginning of next season you go into March and April you're probably not going to have three catchers and so basically whoever's the best as quick as they can be in spring training is going to get the job and I, I don't think that you can say it's Alejandro Kirk getting the job as the backup as, as a guarantee and then it's Jansen and Maguire starting or fighting for that starting role I think it's basically whoever's the best is going to get it uh, the top two guys get it uh, and even Danny Jansen I mean, he, he obviously had that 0 for 30 to start the season and it was it was brutal for him. He actually, after he came back off the IL, I think he was hitting over 300 or something, or over 400 in the last 10 games. Ended up actually not with a terrible average. 11 home runs uh, in 70 games. Ended up with a 223 average. So, still low, but considering where he came from, it's not bad at all. And next season, it is going to be more interesting. I think last, or this year, it's not even the end of the year yet, but this year it was kind of a we expect what's going to happen it's going to be Jansen even though we can't really hit very well and it's going to be Kirk because just by process of elimination Maguire wasn't very good last year but going to 2022 this is going to look a lot different and you got to wonder is defensive flexibility as important for the Blue Jays because yes you want a good defensive catcher but if your best offensive catcher is outplaying the best defensive catcher I think it'll be a lot uh, a lot more interesting and another thing we need to mention I know we all expected Marcus Simeon to make the roster and that was an expectation that was obvious if he is not back next season that'll be interesting to see does Espinal become the permanent third baseman and then maybe Vigio goes back to second base or do we see a prospect come up or is is somebody else brought in I don't know uh, I have seen, and I don't want to speculate too much, but I'll say this anyways, I have seen a few reporters on Sportsnet mention that perhaps the reason Bichette was so emotional in the interview was because he knows something up is up with Marcus Simeon, maybe he's not coming back, I don't know, I'm, I'm just saying, if like realistically you got to anticipate what happens post Marcus Simeon if it gets there. So it obviously we won't know that really until I mean the, technically you can't even sign anything other than an extension right now so we won't know anything yet but it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what the Blue Jays do going into next season because they like the questions might be answered or have the pieces in play to be answered next season but when you look at there's a might be a big hole in the middle of your infield it'll be interesting to see how they are able to uh, work around that. Jose I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a damn it, Mark. Uh, I'm gonna get ahead <laughs> of myself now, and uh, I think Mark can agree after what he just said. I think this is what I see for next year. I personally don't see Marcus Simeon coming back. Do I want him back? Absolutely, all of us do. If he does leave, I I see an ideal platoon between Espinal and Biggio at second base, and as Mark mentioned, there is a third baseman on the Cleveland Guardians who the Jays reportedly tried to trade for this past summer. Uh, The report came out last night. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was him and Robbie Grossman. I would not be surprised, and I'm not going to guarantee anything, that they try again this offseason. They need a third baseman. They need a regular permanent third baseman. Kevin Biggio was not comfortable at third base. Santiago Espinal obviously is good, but you need more. And if you're going to lose Marcus Simeon, because that's a high possibility... 
you need to try and get somebody to come in. So that is what I'm saying. That is in the event that Marcus Simeon is not back. I do think they kind of circle around and try and do it again with Jose Ramirez. There is a connection. We know the Cleveland connection. But either way, going back to the prediction, <laughs> you caught me a little bit off the rails there. So back to the prediction for Santiago Espinal. Yes, it was a great season for him. And I think he blew away a lot of expectations and kind of, you know, outperformed what we all thought. And pretty much going back to June, I remember we had a topic about this. And we it was I think it was actually a headline of one of the episodes was, does Santiago Espinal deserve more playing time? And we all um, kind of understood that if Joe Panic was still here, he was not going to get that opportunity. So the Jays make the trade. They get, obviously, we know the trade. They get Dickerson and they get Simber for um, Joe Panic. That opened up a that opened up a complete path for Santiago Espinal to play every day, alongside the injury to Kevin Biggio. So, for somebody who took advantage of all the playing time and all the opportunities he had, because he did um, amazing numbers throughout 92 games. I know he had some time where he uh, missed because of his injury, but you know, 311 average, 376 on base percentage, a 405 slugging percentage. That's a pretty um, decent OPS. That's an OPS almost at 800 and a WAR of 2.2. He did really well. He can field, and that is somebody who I think is going to have a good role on this team next year, regardless. Like I was mentioning, if he's going to maybe platoon with Kevin Biggio somewhere, because Kevin Biggio, I'm not ready to write off yet. I don't know if he's back next year or not. If he's in a potential, you know, you can't obviously guarantee anything, but if he's on the roster next year, I am not ready to write him off. And I do think he has, um, a, you know, a, he's a prime candidate for a bounce back season next year. And I think that's all we're hoping for. And for Reese McGuire, who had an interesting 2020 on and off the field, a lot of us forgot, you know, about him this year. And rightfully so because of, you know, the 2020 he had based off of his numbers, you know, I, I don't really regret kind of not predicting him that way or kind of involving him in the the whole starting catcher thing because obviously Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen seemed like an ideal pairing that's how it started so we were right about how it started obviously we did not expect the Kirk injury to happen where he went on the 60-day IL I think it was his glute uh Danny Jansen got hurt twice with the same hamstring you know that's kind of hard for us to predict and for you know Reese McGuire to pretty much play the entire year I'm pretty sure the Oakland series when they were in Oakland in April was when he first came up. And from there, he was in there for the entire year. It might have been early May. But for uh, Reese McGuire, that's hard to predict. And yeah, you, you might have a catching controversy now for next year. I'm still not willing to guarantee all three of those guys are back too. For me, one of those catchers, and uh, I don't want to you know throw out names, but I have one in mind who is a massive trade chip. I'm just saying we can't really set in stone all this for next year. And I really do think... There's going to be an active offseason from this off or from this uh, front office, so that's why I'm very I'm being very careful and kind of mentioning next year with some of these guys because I know there is a decent chance that there is a few you know moves made this offseason. So that's I'm not going to get carried away now. We're going to let the offseason play out, but yes, that is kind of how I'm thinking right now. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the catcher position, I wrote down a note of what I said on the episode. I said I had lower expectations for Kirk in 2021 as 2020 because uh, I thought he wouldn't be as good as he was in 2020 over a big sample size, which kind of turned out to be true, you know, knowing what we know about the injury and some of his offensive numbers weren't quite as good as they were back in 2020. You look at his batting average over the season, uh, 242 over 189 plate appearances, 165 at-bats. That works out to an OPS plus of 107. So, you know, quite worse than what it was in 2020. But um, again, you can't totally blame him for that, injuries, etc. When it comes to who's starting at third base next season, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't think it's going to be Espinal. I honestly, right now, think it is going to be Biggio. Yeah, maybe they make a move for someone like Jose Ramirez or someone on the free agent market like Trevor Story and they have to shift someone else somewhere else. But I honestly think it's going to be Kevin Biggio starting there because we saw towards the end of the season, especially when he came back from the injured list for like the last week of the season, what he can do offensively. And you look back at his 2020 numbers, they are ridiculous. Like, I I don't think we appreciate how good Kevin Biggio was in 2020. He was one of the best offensive guys for the Blue Jays in 2020, along with names that you think of like Alejandro Kirk, 
like Lourdes Goriel Jr. Kevin Biggio had a really good season in 2020, so I don't think we should discount what he's done then and what he could do in 2022 and just because of an offensive struggling 2021 and with the injuries etc so I don't think we should discount him we don't know what's going to happen with the free agent market and who the Blue Jays might trade for potentially but um, I just don't want to count Biggio out for the starting third base role in 2022 Um, okay let's move to the outfield this was pretty predictable. We all said the exact same thing again, with the exception of one thing that we're going to talk about. But um, we all said left field is going to be Gurriel, center field is going to be Springer, right field is going to be Hernandez, fourth outfielder is going to be Randall Grishik. We all said that. Um, Bryson, you said Derek Fisher would be the fifth outfielder. And you justified it as saying that there was no left-handed batters in the outfield for the Blue Jays and the Jays need one. You said Jonathan Davis should get more playing time, but he's a right-handed batter. Derek Fisher's a left-handed batter. Derek Fisher is going to get onto the roster just because of that. Um, In hindsight, that (laughs) doesn't look too great now. Uh, What do you have to say for yourself after that prediction? (laughs) The only thing I'm going to say is, um, you know, for people to understand that there was no lefties at the time. Uh, the following week, however, I we this was addressed the week after because he got DFA'd the week after. So that's why I'm not as like, you know, mad about it because I know that I, I had the chance to kind of address it right then and there. And, you know, this is also because we all envisioned, or at least I did, was Rowdy Telez, who was going to be an everyday player on this lineup. So that's why I also thought about it. He quickly turned into a bench player. So obviously that minuses the Derek Fisher conversation. I don't even know where the heck Derek Fisher is anymore or right now. <laughs> Do you even, I have no idea where he is, but that no quickly idea. turned into a left-handed batter. And then we all know what Rowdy Telez turned into. Obviously that turned into Trevor Richards. So what do the Jays do to fill that left-handed void or kind of somebody who can platoon on and off? And what, you know, they did that as well as acquire Adam Simber. They got Corey Dickerson. So that's what that turned into from there. And then you had Adam Simber, who was a very good, um, a very good piece of the bullpen. So that is all I have to say. It was just because there was a lack of left-handed batters at the time. And um, Reese, I know Reese McGuire is a left-handed batter as well, maybe at the time, but they, they're not going to go with three catchers in April. So that is all I have to say. And then that was quickly shot down the week after. So I am going to uh, just forget about that. Goldfish just an update. mentality. <laughs> An update on where Derek Fisher is. He is in the minors on the 60-day IL for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he ended up playing four games for the Brewers this season. So, yeah. And, I mean, I think also for the outfield, a lot of us expected Springer to play, and, I mean, we can't predict that, and you don't want to predict an injury, but, like, when he, he missed more than half the season. And so Randall Gritchick, who we all kind of wrote off, I think we got to kind of remember that, we all expected him to to maybe play every four to five days or three days or whatever. He came in and he played quite a lot. And do I think he's going to do that next season? No. And would he have played as much as he did this year? Probably not, unless he's hitting well. Like I, I think it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was Mark said they're going to ride the hot hand. And basically, that wasn't necessarily for Springer, but it was more Gurriel and Hernandez and, and Gritchick. Whoever was hitting the best was going to play. And next season could see that although maybe not I mean Teoscar Hernandez possibly a silver slugger Lourdes Gurriel Jr. except for his like under 200 first six week of the season was hitting over 300 for pretty much the entire year he's definitely going to stay in the lineup every day and so with Gritchick it's it's you'll get in every once in a while the one disadvantage is he isn't a lefty so it's not as if you could say, oh, we're, we're facing this type of pitcher, therefore you're in the lineup, where they did a lot with Dickerson this year, who I would like to see come back, first of all. Like, if I had to pick Gritchick and Dickerson, 100%, I'd pick Corey Dickerson. Only problem is, is you got to either eat that contract of, I think, $10.5 million, which I'm pretty sure ends after next season. So maybe you eat that, or you try to trade him, or have him as part of a trade deal. But, no, it's... I, I think we the outfield predictions in hindsight were correct minus the the injury and I think that's just kind of what got to us and going into next season I think it's totally fair to expect even if Springer does get injured or anybody gets injured the Blue Jays are going to be much more cautious with it and not say oh you've been out for the first I think it was two or three weeks of the season we'll try and rush you back to some extent like it's it'll be uh, 100% whoever's injured they'll 
they'll take it much more cautiously. And as Bryson said, Grichik is under contract till 2024. So we'll see what they do with him. I mean, I know they were trying, I think, to trade him. I thought he was under contract only till this season. But either way, whatever they do, uh, like, I don't think that he'll see as much playing time as he did next season or, or this season that he'll see next season. So at least the Blue Jays know what they have out of their top three outfielders and... I just hope that you see someone like Derek Fisher come back because the thing is, is it's not unrealistic to ex- to anticipate pot- potentially a DFA or a minor league assignment for Grichik. Do I think that's likely? Maybe not. Like I, I definitely could see five outfielders as the more likely scenario rather than Dickerson and, the, and then Grichik is elsewhere. But if you're looking at an on the field best case scenario, Randall Grichik is probably not on your roster. Just considering you have probably some of the best outfielders in your division, maybe even American League. And if, you know, if you're Randall Grichik, unfortunately a, a 230, 240 average just really isn't going to cut it because really, especially he's a streaky player. So he might be hitting an average of 240, but that's an accumulation of a, a 270 early on in the season. And then like, a, or early on in that month, may maybe, and then a 208 over the last couple of weeks. So that's, Definitely something's going to be going to need to be addressed. I don't know if a trade is likely unless he's an add-on. Maybe kind of like the Dickerson deal where the Blue Jays trade someone and then they add Grichik. But either way, I'd like the outfield prediction out of all the stuff we got kind of wrong or semi-inaccurate. I think this is the one that we can look back and say it's okay given the circumstances. But next season, definitely looking to be... A, a much better outfield just considering you might have Dickerson back you might and you're expecting to have your your three guys be as healthy as they are and, and hopefully get off to a hot stretch right out the bat yeah we did end up actually getting that wrong because uh Grishik did have more playing time in center field and more playing time overall than George Springer ended up having Grishik had 149 games 545 plate appearances Springer 78 games 342 plate appearances so yeah we got that one wrong but again injury you know we know that Springer would have been playing there most of the time if injuries hadn't happened so yeah we at least we can blame that um okay now we're going to the rotation so this one's kind of entertaining we all had very different predictions we all predicted Ryu would be the ace of this rotation we all predicted he'd be the number one starter so he ended up starting in the rotation for most of the season but we know what happened there not the the number one starter in this rotation the number two starter um this is where it gets exciting this is where it gets crazy I had James Paxton as a number two starter I thought the Blue Jays would sign him Bryson you had Robbie Ray so you're the closest there Jacob you had Taiwan Walker thinking the Blue Jays would sign him number three starters I had Robbie Ray Bryson, you had Nate Pearson. Jacob, you had Nate Pearson. Number four starter, I had Tanner Rourke. Bryson, you also had Tanner Rourke. Jacob, you had Robbie Ray all the way at number four. So I'm going (laughs) to criticize you a little bit there for that one, Uh, knowing what happened this season with him, although I had him as the number three starter, so I can't take too much credit there. And then the number five starter, I had Steven Matz. Bryson, you had Steven Matz. Jacob, you had Francisco (laughs) Liriano. So let's start with kind of our expectations about who the Blue Jays would sign because um, Bryson, you correctly predicted that the Jays wouldn't sign anyone more in the rotation uh, from that point when we recorded it to the start of spring training and eventually the season heading off of the offseason. But both Jacob and I thought they would sign an additional starter. It ended up not mattering too much. The Blue Jays' rotation was not the weakness of the team. And yeah, maybe if you get one of those guys early on in the season, it can solidify things and give you an extra win here or there. Um, But with the strength of the Blue Jays' rotation, that extra arm that we thought would be so important at the start of the season ended up not mattering that much. The Liriano deal. I remember you guys having just the the craziest reaction. And here's the well, th- we yeah, were right. It, it, no, no, yeah, it was <laughs> totally justified. Yeah. Okay, to make things better for you though, I had him in the bullpen though, so mm-hmm. maybe did. that makes two of us for him to be on the roster. Yeah, but the thing also, I don't. Uh, he didn't even have an, an awful spring training. Like I understand maybe not wanting to utilize him, but anyways, when it came to Taiwan Walker there was a report I I can't remember if it was either before 
that episode or after it was or maybe earlier on the off season or whatever it was or, or no it was towards the end of it because we were starting to say okay like what's up with the deals here but the Blue Jays said that they were pursuing Taiwan Walker and I said like you guys desperately need this guy because if you don't rotation's not looking too good and I think the Blue Jays ended up with TJ Zoic and obviously Tanner Rourke in their rotation it obviously wasn't as good as we expected now Robbie Ray took a huge step up Ryu took a bit of a step down. Pearson missed pretty much all of the the season. Or sorry, not Ryu. Pierce, yeah, Pearson did. Ryu took a bit of a step back. But looking into next season, at least you know you have probably four guys. You got Manoa. I think you got Pearson. You obviously have Barrios. You have Ryu. If you sign Robbie Ray, I think this is the best rotation in the American League. I'll put it out there right now. I, I do think that it could be. It's going to take some rebounding, but... I think that it's one of the better rotations in the league. And at least, you know, you look at the Blue Jays needed to address their needs. They did. They got Manoa or they called up Manoa and he was fantastic. Probably rookie of the year. Brios came and is just, he's another ace to have in this rotation. It's looking to be very interesting next season too, because most of these guys are back. So if you're the Blue Jays, this, this starting rotation of 2021 was definitely odd. But if you're looking into 2022, what transpired this season is a, is a very good indicator that we will not have as much discrepancy over the rotation next season. Like, we know who's going to pencil in, and we know really who's going to give you good innings each game. Yeah, here's the other thing, too, quickly, is at least we're wrong because of injuries, and we're not wrong, flat-out wrong. Like, Nate Pearson was there, obviously, or I had him there before the, uh, I think, what was it, the growing injury that he had. And uh, we all know all the time he missed this year. And of course, that is also a reason why I didn't have Ross Stripling starting because I felt like if it was everyone was healthy, there was no reason for Ross Stripling to be in the rotation. And then we all we were we were right about the Tanner Roark thing. We knew that he was going to start the year in the rotation and eventually be gone. I can't believe we're actually Tanner Roark's coming up. This it's just crazy how 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 uh, quickly time is fly or fly by. But yeah, I we he only lasted one start anyway, so. That's, I mean, whatever we predicted. That was the opening day rotation. We all predicted him in, well, most of us did. And um, Stephen Matz, they traded for to be the fifth starter, and I hope he's the fifth starter next year too. So that's why I thought it made sense there. And um, Ryu and Ray, that that's, it, that also made sense to me too. So basically the Nate Pearson injury kind of ruined my prediction. And then obviously Ross Stripling I didn't have starting, and none of us really predicted Alec Manoa to be here at all this year. And then they waited until the trade deadline to acquire Jose Barrios for the uh, that last piece or that piece they needed in the rotation to really turn things around. So overall, um, not bad predictions out of all of us, I don't think. I definitely was surprised by that Liriano thing. I do remember reacting to it. I'm pretty sure Mark had a similar reaction. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but either way, um, we got most of it. You know, we were on the right track. Yeah, we can say that. And uh, I will take bragging rights here, the fact that I didn't think Nate Pearson would be in the starting rotation. To start the season, I thought the Blue Jays would start him in AAA and then move him up. And then, of course, you know what happened with the injury and then comes back and walks a whole bunch of guys in Houston, is sent down and has a couple starts there, then hits the injured list. And we heard about the sports hernia and just, you know, one bad thing after another for Nate Pearson this season. But that's what I thought then, and I'll stand by it. And uh, thankfully, or I guess unthankfully, I wish I was wrong on that one. Um, but unfortunately it happened out that way on Tanner Rourke. Um, I said, there's nothing you can do, but pitch him or release him at the time. And I thought the blue Jays were going to pitch him. And then, you know, if things don't work out, they will release him. I, I remembered thinking that the blue Jays wouldn't release him immediately though. It happened a lot sooner than I thought it would. Um, Bryson, you said, um, Rourke stays, even if they get someone, even if they get someone like Paxton or Walker and he won't be released, it would be Matt's moving to the bullpen in that case. And then Jacob, you thought, Rourke would be released from the start, so kudos to you on that one. Um, okay, let's move to the bullpen. This was a little bit of a crapshoot, as it always is, because there's so many different arms that cycle in and out of the bullpen. Um, Bryson, you and I had Kirby Yates as a closer. We all know how that worked out. Jacob, you had Rafael Dolis as a primary closer. Jordan Romano getting some reps in the bullpen as a closer, but mostly Rafael Dolis, so that didn't totally work out, but... Um, me and Bryson, we had uh, Romano and Delise splitting time as a setup guy. And then um, I think we kind of all had pretty similar names. Um, AJ Cole in there for all of us. Thomas Hatch in there for all of us. Ryan Barucki in there for all of us. Um, Jacob, you were the only one with Trent Thornton 
out of the bullpen. Um, we had Merriweather out of the bullpen. I think Bryson and I both said Merriweather. We all know how that worked out. Um, Tyler Chatwood, we all had Tyler Chatwood. We all had Ross Stripling. So pretty similar names right there. I think the biggest difference is who we thought would be closing to start the season. And obviously that went down the tube real quick about two weeks later after we predicted that with Kirby Yates going down with a season-ending injury and then of course Rafael Dolis getting a very long leash out of the bullpen and it's still coming in in a lot of high leverage situations throughout the season but eventually um, you know not working out for the Blue Jays. Yeah and one thing so I, I I don't I think this was about the bullpen I can pull a quote from myself and I said talking about who's going to be in the bullpen, I, you know, I mentioned all those guys, and then I said, obviously, if there's an injury, that changes things with respect to the deadline deals. And May, I think there was probably like an injury every single day in the month of May. And obviously, now you look at, you have Trevor Richards, you have Adam Simber. I Actually, as I'm looking at this, I don't think any of us had tim Mesa in our bullpens which is kind of odd because he no, was one of their best guys and you know I, I said this to you guys maybe even it was sunday when i was having a post-mortem on the season i basically said you know the top four guys are back next season uh, richards romano Mesa, and simber now you just got to build on that you still have or at least to some extent you can work with barucky you can work with merriweather uh pearson's not i don't think he's going to be in the bullpen but at least you know kind of the the core guys and you can build upon that and the overall like the bullpen it's a weird thing like i think some of us had jacob waggis pack or i don't think i did i think he was my my extra guy on that list but the bullpen's always the weirdest to predict except for maybe closer and at that point it's like oh we'll just see who's not in the rotation and who's pretty good in spring training but overall like it it we predicted I think as best as we could and then unfortunately injuries and, and just guys falling off the face of the earth really just turned the the bullpen season around but at least next year we pray to god what happened this season doesn't happen because we can't have we can't lead the league in bull, blow pit, bullpen blown games <laughs> I mean I guess no pun intended blowpin they, they blew a lot of games but basically you can't do that <laughs> and It'll, it looks like it's going to be a lot better next season. I think we'll have a better a better and a more easier time predicting what actually could be a very good bullpen. I think it'll be a lot better next season, and it was really once the, the moves were made. Yeah, and you have those big guys back next year, those big four guys that you said, Jacob. And um, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier or last week in the recap, now it's time to build off of that and get the bullpen even better for next year so we don't go over the blown games that we went over earlier in the year next year at all. So that's... Definitely one of the things, one of the priorities this offseason is this offseason is to improve that bullpen for sure. Yeah. That's gonna be the area where the Blue Jays are looking to make improvements. We all know I, I think they can honestly do so cheaply and improve this team by five wins if they do so. So um another thing embarrassing for me, I thought Shun Yamaguchi had a very good shot of making the roster. Um, and I had not heard that name in a very long time. And when I was listening wow. back to this, I was like, Wow, yeah. <laughs> wow, I did not Expect to hear that name on this episode, but it brings us back. Um, okay, so our final predictions, we had a kind of miscellaneous section with over-unders and asking questions about who would do what this season. Um, the first one was games at the Rogers Center. I put the over-under on this in February at 10.5. Both Jacob and I took the under at zero. Um, Jacob said, quote, I have zero optimism about them coming back to Toronto. I said, I don't see them starting in Dunedin and then moving midseason. Uh, we were very wrong on that, Bryson. You were very closer, much closer to being correct. You said they would be in Toronto at Canada Day, or at least that was your hope. They came in, you know, about month, a month after that, but still, you definitely had the upper hand on that one. Um, not sure how much we can talk about there, but you, uh, we, we were questioning a lot of the time about vaccines and vaccine distribution. So it was kind of entertaining to listen back to that one at the moment and look about how, you know, we kind of predicted the state of the world wrongly at that point in time. Yeah, I think it's funny. I think we all ended up going to more games than we predicted were actually going to take place in Toronto. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'll just kind of put it at that. Uh, I'm glad they're back in Toronto. I think the expectation is they'll be there next season at the starting or at the very start. I think they start on the road, but they'll their homestand, their first game at home will be there at the Rogers Center. And maybe that changes it. I know they were just barely over 500 in both Dunedin and Buffalo. It's looking like, and they were, I think, like six something or whatever like they were 
30 and, tw- and or, or 24 and 11 or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were fantastic in Toronto. It's looking like it's going to be a lot better. And maybe all it is is you come back, you you have obviously the improvements of, of 2020 or 2021, and now you're finally at home for your first full season since 2019 and looking to win that division. You just got to believe, and that's all I was doing in um, February was hoping things would get better. And uh, thank God things did get better, and uh, we got the chance to, and the opportunity to see these guys for a few months. So now, you know, you you always do wonder what would have what would have what would have happened if they were there the entire year. How much more of a difference would it have made? Because the numbers did not lie of how much better they played at Rogers Center compared to how they did in Buffalo and Dunedin. So that's the one thing I look forward to next year as well. That they're going to be back for a full um, a season back at Rogers Center, and uh, I'm happy that uh, you know that goal or that kind of wishful thinking came true with them coming home so that's the one thing I will take from that as well yep um and then we predicted which Blue Jays would be at the all-star game we all said Bo Bichette we all said George Springer um obviously correct with Bichette Springer not totally working out um both Bryson and Jacob you both said that Ryu would be at the all-star game that didn't totally work out either although his first half of the season was overall strong he did put up good numbers in the first half of the season um Bryson you also said Teoscar Hernandez would be at the all-star game so kudos to you on that one and then I said it would be Marcus Simeon and Jordan Romano as well at the all-star game so I got Simeon correct there Romano not so much although he did have a shot of being an all-star at that point in time um just didn't totally work out and it's weird for relievers to make the all-star game but as we know it ended up being Bichette Simeon um uh Hernandez and uh and Guerrero for the Blue Jays so um we were all kind of underestimating Vladimir Guerrero Jr. there but when it comes to Guerrero we also predicted the games that he would play at third base we put the over under at 20.5 on that one um we all said the under um and it ended up being only one game two innings at third base in 2021 but I predicted it would be 10 to 15 games Bryson you said less than 10 and Jacob said 10 on the dot um and he said 10 is probably generous at that point for Guerrero so we were all kind of on the dot there um and then when it comes to I know we already had this conversation just kind of blowing through these last few because we've talked about it before Nate Pearson starts games that he starts the over under was at 20.5 we've talked about this before I didn't expect him to start the season I put the I took the under at 13 Bryson and Jacob you both took the over on that Bryson you said 23 Jacob you said 25 And he ended up starting one game for the Blue Jays, of course, making appearances out of the bullpen in the stretch at the end of the season. But um, that might be the one for all of us that we're most embarrassed about because we were very far off. You look at like 23 to 1, 25 to 1, 13 to 1 starts. Um, Just very different expectations versus reality for Nate Pearson this season. It is hard to predict injuries. That is the only thing I'm going to stand by with that for. But I do wonder about his role next year. I think... um, you know, I wasn't too thrilled with what Ross Atkins actually said about him. I don't know if what you guys thought or you got caught what he said, but they pretty much like didn't really guarantee he'd be a starter. You know, they were hopeful he would be, but you know, they were kind of flipping back and forth. You know, that doesn't give me a lot of optimism for him next year. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen with him next year. There's going to be a lot of question marks for sure. When spring training starts, that's definitely going to be a hot topic of conversation. So that's the one thing though I took away from his press conferences. I wasn't too thrilled with how he kind of didn't guarantee him to be a starter while he would have said he could have been a reliever. So I know Ross Atkins is a genius at saying anything, but um, maybe he was completely, you know, being a Ross Atkins to the media there, but that just doesn't give me a lot of optimism. And I hope uh, he does end up being a starter because, I mean, he's the organization's number one prospect. And if he's on, like we saw near the end of the year when he was making those last appearances out of the bullpen, he'd be pretty dangerous to this rotation. But the problem is, and it's going to haunt him uh, until we see otherwise, is the injuries. So I guess we're going to be a lot more careful next year when we start predicting uh, things for him or, you know, over unders or anything like that. So that's the only thing I'll say about Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. I did hear that too. I was a little odd. I I, I think he did. Uh, you had that that press conference with the media, and then later he went on with uh, Tim McAuliffe and talked to about the bullpen and, or just in general about the team. And it was a little odd to hear the ambiguity surrounding Pearson. I think he's still a starter. I, he I think he has to be a starter until he proves otherwise. Like if he goes into next season and he's not good, then okay, yeah, maybe you put him in the bullpen and you say. It starter didn't really work out. Maybe you're the Aroldis Chapman of the Blue Jays where you just throw gas for an inning and it works for the team. But uh, I would like to see him be a starter. I think he has a future as a starter. And he almost kind of reminds me of 
I don't know if this is the right comparison, but maybe a right-handed Robbie Ray where he just he's going to throw really hard and then he'll out of nowhere throw a random breaking ball. But I think he has a lot of potential to be a starter. It's just it's not enough to throw 92 or, or 102 really for one inning. You got to be able to to replicate that over five to six innings, and that's the biggest thing that he's going to need to work on. And hopefully he does. I think he has a a legitimate shot at being in the rotation and hey I predicted it that he was going to be in the rotation this year injuries said otherwise but at least like hopefully he can he can really work around those and then really be the the legitimate option that they want him to be yeah I think you're right that kind of next season is the final straw for Pearson in the rotation I think if he you know comes out and I think they'll try to make him a starter in spring training but if he has the same injury woes the same problems that he did um, this season, I think they're just going to, you know, give up basically just say, okay, it's time to move to the bullpen. We've waited long enough for you to work out of the rotation. We're going to move you to the bullpen, see if we can make it work. So obviously unfortunate that that seems to be the case, but that looks like it's going to be the case for Nate Pearson. So next season might be the final straw for him. Um, the last question that we considered on the podcast was who would lead the team in wins above replacement? Um, I want to spend time on this because I kind of get bragging rights here. I think both you, um, Bryson and Jacob, both of you said it would be Bo Bichette. Bryson, you predicted Bichette would be around four war. Um, right. Uh, excuse me, Jacob, you said Bichette would be around 4.5 war. Um, I thought Bichette would be around five war, but I thought Marcus Simeon would lead the team in war around six. And as it turns out, according to baseball reference war, that was the case. Marcus Simeon did lead the team in war even higher than I expected. His war was 7.1, but he ended up leading the team in war. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who none of us expected, ended up second, 6.8 war. Robbie Ray was actually a, just a tick below Vladdy for uh, for third on the Blue Jays in war, 6.7. And then you have Bo Bichette, um, six war. This is all by baseball reference, so we can quibble all we want about the difference between fan graphs and baseball reference war. But that's kind of how it stacked up. Those were the top four. A lot of surprises in there. Robbie Ray, Vladdy, and Simeon, all kind of surprises. But I will take credit for predicting that Simeon was expected to lead the team in war this season. Yeah, honestly, that's a pretty good observation. And we... I think we all had the expectation Simeon would play every day, but it was all kind of a, well, he's going to need to get back to that 2019 form, and he exceeded that, I think, is an understatement to say. He, had the, he now has the most home runs in a second or as a second baseman in a single season at 45. Like, what a season for him. Honestly, if, if Guerrero and Otani were just slightly not as good, I don't think that uh, Simeon would would uh, not be in consideration for that first MVP. Like I think he'll get a lot of votes. I don't think he'll win, but uh, it's overall fantastic season for Marcus Simeon, and he's he made eighteen million this season. I think easily he could be making thirty or thirty five next season. He's he's uh, he's done. He did a very good job for himself, and I'll, I'll put it that way. And I'd love to see him back. I don't think it's likely. I think that there's somebody else the Blue Jays would rather target if it's out of their two big big free agents. But what a season for Marcus Simeon! And had he had the Blue Jays have made the playoffs, easily could have uh, could have seen him driving in two runs in that first innings. Should a uh, should Springer have gotten on base? Good prediction, Mark. I mean, we all knew Simeon was going to be good. I just think Jacob and I didn't think he was going to be like he was in 2019. And safe to say, he was pretty much close to that. And uh, one of the reasons why this team stayed afloat when um, George Springer was down pretty much half the year. So he was definitely one of the reasons why behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well and Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, we all know the names to give honorable mentions. And uh, to be honest with you guys, I guess we'll save it for closer to when free agency does start. My opinions have maybe changed between who I want back and, and I really can't decide because I go back and forth. I know... I think pretty much all three of us were set in stone with Ray. I'm pretty sure we had a conversation about this late in the late summer. But however, I think tides are starting to change a bit. I'm not completely flipped, but I'm very conflicted between the two. And um, there's a lot that I guess we can eventually get into with that. But to, it's safe to say that I do hope he is back. I just don't think it's likely. But I do think there's a chance he is back for sure. Yeah. I think that's going to end up being a whole podcast at some point in the off season when we have nothing to talk about. Exactly. It's going to be a full in-depth dive into Simeon or Ray. And i got to be honest, I think I'm with you, Bryson. I said Robbie Ray earlier, but I think it's Marcus Simeon now. 
especially after what we saw with the comments from Bo Bichette about his impact on the team and his work ethic and everything we've heard. He's the hardest working baseball player you will ever see take the field, and he's out there as an example for these young players every day. It just all stacks up to say Marcus Simeon is a huge impact on this team. And, you know, if we're talking on-field impact, we can question that all we want, but off-field impact, I think Marcus Simeon takes the cake. So, anyways, that's conversation for another day. The conversation for today is over. Um, we have officially recapped all our predictions, right and wrong, from the 2021 season. It was a hell of a season. And, you know, as we've said before, as we said today, um, we're happy with how things turned out. You can look at the disappointments all you want, but, you know, Jacob nailed it with saying, if we end up with 91 wins and the Blue Jays don't make the postseason, something's wrong with the system. It's not something wrong with the Blue Jays. It's something wrong with the system. And that's how it turned out. And I think that's a good way to look at it. So we will leave it there. As always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod. You can also give us a rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Just help spread the word. But what we're doing, you can follow us on social media at section 138 pod. Then lastly, as always, you can find our episodes on YouTube, or if you watch these episodes on YouTube, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. So here's to another off season. Here's to another crazy season of predictions and hopefully a little bit more right next time. But until then, we'll catch you next time.